I find the translation of our gospel text, well, to be honest, darn irritating. Our translation reads that a servant owed his master a huge amount. That is not what the text says. The text actually says something quite different, significantly changing how we hear Jesus' teaching on the need to forgive one another. The Greek reads as, when he began the reckoning, one was brought to him who owed him myrion talenton, 10,000 talents. Now let's put that in context. In that period, one talent was the equivalent of an average daily laborer's wages for a lifetime. In other words, Jesus is telling us that this servant was indebted to his master for 10,000 lifetimes of income. But Jesus is also asking us to consider something more bizarre. This master actually gave a servant 10,000 lifetimes of yearly income. That, the, that he knew the servant had no ability to repay. Now, who in their right mind would do such a thing? And the answer is God, Jesus' father. From Jesus' perspective, his father gives each of us 10,000 lifetimes worth of wealth. How? The gift of life itself the gift of forgiveness for our sins, the restoration of friendship to God through the holy and life-giving cross, the gift of eternal life. And these, and many more, are the scandalous, freely given works of the divine mercy. We could never merit them. We could not possibly earn them, even if we had 10,000 lifetimes. We would have no way of paying back such a debt. It would be a little bit like my going to, going to First Interstate Bank and I go to Lynn Michelin and I say, hey, Lynn, well, I, I'd like the bank to give me a loan. Oh, well, okay, Father, how much do you need? I, I need uh, my yearly salary multiplied by 10,000 years. Now, of course, on my salary, that, maybe that's possible after all. I don't know. But, but I can't possibly pay it back. So what do you say, Lynn? We have a deal. That's absurd, isn't it? And yet that's exactly what our Father has given to each and every one of us, knowing full well we could never pay back such a debt. Even more bizarre, the servant that owed 10,000 lifetimes of debt to his master was absolved of his debt. Could you imagine what it would be like to have such a debt wiped out? You would think it would generate a spirit of gratitude. This servant, says Jesus, was owed a mere fraction of that debt by a fellow servant and showing absolutely no mercy, clearly forgetting the debt that he was absolved of, he threw his fellow servant into prison until the debt was paid. The incident, says Jesus, 
were seen by other servants who reported it to their master, who in turn handed the ungrateful servant to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt, meaning he endured 10,000 years of torture. Jesus is telling us there is nothing we do, nothing we say, that goes unnoticed. But why did this master commit the servant to the torturers? The servant did not allow the gifts of compassion and forgiveness to instill gratitude, which should have given birth to compassion and forgiveness for a fellow servant. So Jesus concludes, so will my heavenly Father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. This is not hyperbole. This is not literary exaggeration. This is a warning that we should take seriously. And it is decidedly from a Jewish perspective, as we heard in our first reading from the book of Sirach. Forgive your neighbors injustice, then when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. Could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? Could anyone refuse mercy to another like himself? The refusal to forgive another, who like each of us was forgiven an eternal debt, betrays not only a reprehensible lack of gratitude, but will surely condemn us. Now I confess I have always found this to be one of the most difficult teachings of Christianity to accept, even as I was bouncing around churches before I finally became a Catholic. And there are times I really struggle with this teaching. And when I do genuinely forgive, even if it can take several years to do so, I cannot forget. And for a long time, that haunted me. I recall as a child witnessing an incident when my father was deeply hurt by the actions of others. I knew he was angry, livid, but he never showed it. It's a very un-Swedish thing to display intense emotions. It's, it's considered a shameful loss of self-control. And when the incident was over, he mumbled to himself one word in Swedish, or furglumi. And I asked him, what does that mean? Never heard it before. And he said, it roughly translates as, never to be forgotten. When we have been the victims of deliberate evil committed against us, it is extremely difficult, seemingly impossible at the time to forgive. And to make it more difficult, Jesus says it must come from where? The heart. Now that does not refer to the seat of the emotions, the seat of the passions. It doesn't mean we got to generate warm, fuzzy feelings for the offender. But rather it must come from the core of one's being. It is an act of the will, just as love is. That is what we must strive to offer, because the Father 
has compassionately forgiven each and every one of us of an eternal debt from the core of his being. Ultimately, nothing done to us by another, and I say this from personal experience, is as important as the, as, or as powerful as the divine mercy we have each been shown and the gratitude that should generate within us. Forgiveness, therefore, must be granted from the heart, no matter how long it may take. It is not an option. We have in English an expression, ah, forgive and we must forgive. But does that mean we should forget? No. Not even God forgets. Rather, he simply allows his mercy and love to triumph. Have you ever met someone who is addicted to gossip? who simply cannot stop himself or herself, regardless of the consequences the victim of the gossip will have to pay. Not infrequently, it's, it's really a manifestation of a mental illness in which the person distorts the information he or she receives to serve some irrational need to be the center of attention. And what happens when you become the victim? It's hard to forgive, isn't it? But the gospel is clear. It is an act of charity that must be worked at because in the end, that person will be standing right next to us on the day of judgment. One sinner among all sinners and each and every one of us in need of the divine mercy. But should one forget? No. Clearly that person has a serious character flaw or perhaps an emotional disturbance and for his or her sake should never be trusted with serious information. In fact, you could argue that might put that person into an occasion of sin. If someone embezzles money from a business and is caught, should that person be forgiven by the entity that hired him or her? What do you think? Yes, now it ain't rocket science. Should that person be placed in a position of trust again? No. It might actually put that person in danger. Whenever we craft excuses to relive the pain we were traumatized with, cling to bitterness, and attempt to justify our anger toward another, even for something very serious, we place our souls in peril. Jesus' insistence on forgiving the other from the heart is not then just for that person's sake. It's for our own salvation. 